What's up? I'm Ashley. And I'm Tania. And you're listening to another episode of You I Do. The podcast that says divorce is not an option. So we had two very special guests with us today that y'all are very familiar with, but we were talking about divorce. (laughs) Well, not really. I mean, we were really talking about marriage, but you kind of have to put that on the table as well. Or you'll understand once you get into the episode. But overall, um, we talk about Michael and Lorraine's workbook called DENEO, also stands for Divorce is Not an Option. So once you listen to the episode, you'll understand a little bit more about their workbook and why it's such a great workbook. Um, I actually own it. And so this workbook is very easy to go through. It's not daunting. You know, it's definitely something that you and your significant other can, you know, go through read it, understand it. It's not going to be foreign to you. It's, you know, it's definitely going to spark conversation and it's going to allow you to, to come together and get closer and love on one another. Cause that's essentially what we want. So yeah. And we will be giving away one Danae workbook for very special follower and listener, pay attention to IG to find out how you can win the book and enjoy the episode, of course. We have two very special guests with us tonight. Yes, would you like to introduce yourselves? Hello, I'm Michael Forrester. And I'm Lorraine Forrester. And we are owners of ARM, a relationship ministry. And our focus is on relationships of all kinds. Very, very nice. And of course, longtime listeners should be very familiar with you, with the both of you. This will be what the third time you've been on the show. So. We are excited to have y'all here. Um, Just for those that don't know, where are y'all located? We're located in Stone Mountain, Georgia, uh, the metro Atlanta area. Uh, But we have reaches for as we have, what's that, Kuwait and... uh, Qatar. Qatar. (laughs) So we definitely have clients all over the world, but we are locally in the metro Atlanta area. Nice. Good, good. Well, we're glad to have you back. This episode kind of goes more to what we were saying kind of the last time, which we're going to have more kind of marriage-centric episodes um, in our second full year, I guess, going into year three, however you want to shake it. But now we're about to play a quick game of this or that. This game is sponsored by our friends at Flower Moxie. Um, You can save a lot of money with your flowers by using Flower Moxie. So head to flowermoxie.com slash UIDo to learn more. And so listeners know you pick between one option or the other and explain why. So both of you, I would like answer individually. Um, And then to Nia, you will answer and then we'll start over. Trying to kind of stay on theme with what we're talking about tonight, but Al Green would you prefer let's stay together or love and happiness? Let's stay together. <laughs> <laughs> Al Green, talk about the song. Yeah, yes. Let's stay together. I like that. I like the music and all of that. And of course, I remember that. <laughs> I was only 16 when I saw him at a concert and he gave me a rose and I was so happy. <laughs> oh, that's so cute. Right? <laughs> gave me that. 10 roses out, but you know, I got one. But still. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> oh, so that's your reason you didn't for Al Green. Right. I think you might have mentioned that. Okay. Uh, so that was your answer for answer. the reason why? Oh, okay. And I, I'll probably go along with more so with uh, love and happiness, right? I, I think, well, for me, especially the happiness portion, please, please uh, 
a big deal, not just simply let's stay together, but I prefer mm-hmm. to have the love and happiness. Mm-hmm. Okay. I'm going to go with love or <laughs> let's stay together. <laughs> okay. Why? Yeah. Uh, I probably, I mean, I know both songs, don't get me wrong, but, um, you know, I really feel like when I'm like in mid conversation with someone and, you know, like if, if someone says, let's stay together, like that's like the first song that pops in my head and I'm like, and then I start singing it. So, I mean, really? Yeah. That's the first song? Okay. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I mean, I've heard it all my life, you know? So, yeah. Okay. That's the first song that pops up in my head. Uh, All right. Yeah. Why are you surprised by that? (laughs) I I don't know. Because to me, like, love and happiness is like the first song that would come to my mind. So, Mm -hmm. why? Just because of how it starts. It basically just says it love and happiness. And then it's like the music, mm-hmm. you know? Okay. All right. But, you know, I mean, they're both good songs. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, round two, speaking about kind of love languages, would you prefer or would you prefer to receive this one that I'm going to say? So, either quality time. Or words of affirmation. Oh, you want me to answer? <laughs> yeah, I, I prefer definitely the words of affirmation. I would say quality time because I can talk to myself all <laughs> <laughs> day long. But definitely quality. quality time. There's no doubt about that. <laughs> I play board games, so that's part of my quality time too. So, guess who has to play with me? <laughs> all right yeah so I think I'm gonna go with the words of affirmation okay I think um I mean of course I do love quality time um sometimes but I really really (laughs) I mean I do like when he you know when he says something very nice to me you know um or you know, I'm like, I'm on my weight loss journey. So when he's like, oh, I can see a little something. I can see your muscles. I'd be like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah. All right. Well, I, I would agree. Um, I think I'm a words of, well, I think it depends, but probably overall I'm more of a words of affirmation person. But I think I'm getting my fill of quality time obviously, since we're in the same house together. Um, so, yeah. But I like, you know, those comments as well. So, yes, yes, yes. Yeah. All right. When it comes to apologies, so I'm asking, what do you do? Do you accept responsibility when you apologize? Or are you requesting forgiveness? Like, which one do you do more? I would say... Um, accepting responsibility when I apologize. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> really? Okay. Well, you know, I, I know for me, I, I know definitely I'm accepting responsibility. Okay. I... <laughs> <laughs> you laughed a little bit too hard. Right. So, Michael. <laughs> oh, yeah, it's true. I mean, well, that's my truth. Uh, and at least in my mind, uh, gotcha. do accept responsibility. Okay. Okay. At least in his mind. <laughs> <laughs> so when we, um, definitely when we, the first years of our marriage, his apology would be like, well, I'm sorry if you feel that way, you know. Ooh, well, yeah. Initially, <laughs> it was, what's wrong with you? <laughs> you know, that was his way of coming back. You know, it's like, what? But he's learned over the years. Okay, so <laughs> I think <laughs> I think I do well at, at accepting. What did you say again? Accepting responsibility. Mm-hmm. Yeah, responsibility. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I do well at accepting the responsibility, mm-hmm. um, and I think that's what I do most of the time. Like you own up for what you did wrong. Yeah, yeah, I do more so than asking for forgiveness. Yes. Okay. I'm not quite sure why, but yes. 
Mm -hmm. Okay. I am the same. So I try to accept the responsibility because I like requesting forgiveness to me can be kind of like, okay, (laughs) it's just words, you know, like you've already done this thing. So like, uh, I'm so, so sorry. I'll never do it again. Like, are you really never going to do it again? You know, like, I don't want to just say something, say something. I think accepting what you've done means more. Mm-hmm. so yeah I think I used to do that in the past but I learned from my lesson what just apologize or yeah, just, just like yeah yeah because I think that's what he wanted to hear so I was like let me just give you what you want to hear <laughs> I'm sorry <laughs> I'm sorry yeah exactly exactly but now when I say I'm sorry I actually mean it mm-hmm. so yeah that's good mm-hmm. okay well that was it it was a, oh, okay. just a little three round. <laughs> oh, usually I'm, I'm, um, I'm nervous about your questions because we don't talk about, you know, um, um, yeah, we don't talk about the questions beforehand. It's, it's always a surprise to me. So <laughs> lately she's been a little, um, on the edge, like she's been living life on the edge. <laughs> I've been like, Oh, Ashley. Oh, okay. Okay. We go on there. So yeah. well, sometimes I try to, you know, shake it up a little bit but yeah 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 but anyway (laughs) we are going to discuss why divorce is not an option and yeah so Tania kick it off so because we're discussing divorce is not an option why is divorce not an option so um and I'm glad you did ask that because Mm -hmm. a lot of times people get the wrong impression about it not being an option. Um, It's not an option because if I tell you that I am going to uh, leave from Stone Mountain and go to Atlanta, then no matter what the detours are, I'm going to get to Atlanta if that's where I'm headed. But if I make a decision to say, maybe I'll go to Atlanta, maybe not. I may decide to go 20 east from Stone Mountain. And chances are I'm not going to get to Atlanta. I might get to Augusta, but not Atlanta. So we have to make that decision up front. We encourage people to make that decision up front. What is your goal for your marriage? And that is one thing to say that you want to get to a place where it's a happy marriage, where you enjoy each other, you have longevity in your relationship. And if that's where you're going, divorce can't be an option because every time you think of it as an option, then you set yourself back some. Oftentimes couples will get upset. They'll take off the wedding rings. They'll say, why don't we just get a divorce then? And even though they don't go straight to the courthouse, they still set their relationship back. There's distance. They're not speaking. They shut down. But if you have the mindset that we're going to do what needs to be done, to have a healthy relationship and we're gonna stick with it. And that's why I was thinking about with the questions, let's stay together. That's with the assumption that we're gonna do everything that it takes to have a good marriage. So that's why a divorce would not be an option because you're gonna make healthy choices. Yeah, and I definitely you know, concur. You know, it's, uh, it's one thing to see that we're gonna to stay together, uh, but you know, are we gonna just live in dysfunction I mean, who is that representing? Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, marriage is supposed to represent uh, God's love for the church. But if we're just living all wild and crazy and, you know, that's not a good representation, you know, for God. So definitely divorce can be an option, but you got to choose to do it the right way. I love that. Um, I actually got the workbook. <laughs> so <laughs> <Thank you>. <laughs> <laughs> no problem. So, yeah, so I was... Um, I mean, as I was going through it, I'm like, hmm, okay. So they talk about divorce right in the beginning. But now that you explained it, you know, like it makes sense, right. you know. I want you to um, go ahead and get that off the table. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Instead of using it like a big joker or something. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yes. And, oh, and if I could just kind of add this to mm-hmm. you know, one of the reasons why we put it up front is, you know, to – yeah, start that conversation. I mean, are there deal breakers and, you know, things like that? So we can, you know, start talking about that and 
start working through that, you know, so you can find, well, so that couples can find out, you know, where they stand mm-hmm. on these different, you know, issues, these different things. Let me just add, so, I love the fact that you all like relate everything back to the scripture. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, I love that. Yeah, that's all that I want to say. <laughs> yes, it is. It truly is. <laughs> so how do the relationships we've witnessed as children play a part in the relationships we have as adults? Uh, you know, it, it does play a, a big part. Uh, they said the formative <laughs> years were somewhere between uh, there are different numbers, zero to six, zero to eight, zero to 10, somewhere in, in that range. Right? And, you know, we do have these subliminal messages that we receive from the things that we observe as children. And, you know, even though there are a lot of things that might have been unspoken, uh, I do believe that children, you know, have a way of really maybe deductive reasoning, inductive reasoning, and formulating their different opinions as to how they see people interact. Uh, and especially when it comes to loving relationships. Uh, and, you know, they make their determinations, a lot of them, you know, from the things that they witness early. Uh, and it does, you know, kind of uh, travel with them and progress with them as they develop relationships, you know, uh, maybe through dating uh, interactions with, you know, especially of the opposite sex, you know, who are uh, adolescent years and so on, progressing towards, you know, adulthood and marriage that, you know, they definitely take those things with them. So, you know, it's always good if we can give them a good foundation, you know, when they're young, you know, at least allowing them to see something that not only looks good, right, but is in fact good, you know, because they see the fruit, you know, that's being developed through. And then also from the other direction, they can see the negative things too. And a lot of times our clients will tell us that they saw everything they shouldn't do in their mm. relationships, you know, they were there when there was infidelity, when there was lack or ineffective communication. So they realized that those ways were not healthy and they made decisions not to do those things in their relationships. So it definitely can have either positive or negative relationship. Uh, oftentimes too, we do what's familiar. So if a person is brought up in a household where there was always yelling and screaming and, you know, a lot of arguments, then even though they may say, I don't want to do that, but because it's familiar, they'll find themselves doing the same thing unless they, and those things can be worked through. You can change your behavior, but first of all, you have to recognize that's where it came from, you know? Very true. And I'm glad you mentioned that because I think a lot of, you know, the phrase staying together for the children, and it's like, that's not necessarily a good thing if what they're seeing is you know chaos and just loud you know like trauma and just Mm -hmm. you know arguments fighting cussing all of that stuff like that's not good that's not the model you should really show them um disagreements I think seeing a disagreement and like being able to resolve that sure but you know don't stay together for the kids if y'all yeah. Or, you know, <laughs> and I often say some days it's okay that if today yeah. I decided to stay for the kids, but that shouldn't be my overall reason. That might have kept me exactly. here for today yeah. while I work on our communication, you know, but right. not overall, definitely. And we have uh, adults who come to us for sessions and they may even be 20 and 30 and they're mm-hmm. like, uh, my parents should have gotten divorced a long time ago but they mm-hmm. stayed until I went away to college. You know, mm-hmm. I was wishing they had done it when they were nine, you know. And, so, and, and some were even really still, uh, I, I know we've heard from at least a couple of people, uh, they're maybe in their thirties, their parents are still married. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they were saying that, I wish they would get a divorce. Yeah, you know? even now, <laughs> mm-hmm. 40 yeah. years, yeah. yeah. So we definitely have to, check ourselves and make sure we're not doing our kids a disservice by staying together. Yeah, for sure. Mm -hmm. Ah. So after like, after the first chapter about divorce, um, you talk about marriage and you talk about the importance of defining your marriage. Why is that important? A phrase that um, we've all heard that if you fail to plan, then you plan to fail. So, When you think about your marriage, 
to put in place some type of foundation and you two talk about that and where you're going and what you plan to do. So we encourage couples to come up with their vision for their marriage. So both of them know what it looks like, what the blueprint looks like. And then they can kind of navigate that territory together, but at least they know that they're going in the same direction. My husband and I, we never talked about that, you know, 35 years ago. So we both um, never formulated what marriage was gonna look like. I had the idea of, you know, the Cosby's and leave it to Beaver that that was going to be my marriage. I don't even know if my husband even thought about what it was going to be like, you know. No, I, um, I didn't necessarily, you know, uh, formulate a, a plan mm -hmm. or, you know, a, a vision as to mm -hmm. what it looked like, but I, uh, I knew what I desired for it to be mm -hmm. that we could, you know, journey through life together and, mm -hmm. you know, grow and, you know, be, you know, happy, you yeah. know, for lack of a better term. Yeah. But in terms of, you know, anything outside of that, mm -hmm. Uh, I know I didn't yeah. necessarily plan. Yeah, so we encourage couples to look at a number of things because people are doing marriages in all kinds of ways today. And, you know, with that being the case, you know, you have to really have these conversations. And we also share in the book about, you know, different ways that people are having marriages. And so you don't want to wake up in year nine and your mate is telling you they want to try something different in the marriage, you know. Um, to prevent that, then you start to talk about that before you get married. So both of you are on the same page, you know, and you know what you will and will not tolerate. Yeah. Um, when I was going through it, I was like, oh, I had no idea that there were so many different types of marriage. I mean, of course, like you hear about them, but it's nothing that we really talk about, like just in general conversation, unless we're talking about, you know, marriage. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I had no idea. I mean, I knew about a couple, of course, but y'all have like a whole list and I'm yeah. like, oh, okay. <laughs> I'm learning something new. <laughs> the thing about it too, when you get into marriage, maybe that's the way you feel beforehand. And then you get married and you're with this person day in and day out. And for whatever reason you, you love them and you don't want to disappoint them. You want to keep the marriage together and they bring in something that goes against your standards, but you may go ahead and fall for it if you haven't given, given it any thought, you know, and solidified your views on those things. So we talk about those in detail about, you know, the, everything from the different religions that come into the marriage or the lack thereof, you know, all of that's very important. So how do we handle conflict in our marriage, especially when uh, the reasons seem redundant, like we keep having the same fight over and over? So definitely conflict sounds like a negative, but it can be a positive, you know, just like the good stress, bad stress, there can be good conflict and bad conflict. And uh, I think my husband and I are both kind of, um, or a bit alerted when someone says to us, we never argue, we, we never disagree, we always see eye to eye. You know, that's good for you right now where you are, but it also lets us know as a counselor, somebody or maybe both of you are not being real with your uh, conversation, your opinions or whatever. You may be a people pleaser and ultimately that can end in resentment. Conflict can be very healthy. How do you handle something when it's the same thing over and over? Then you make a decision to discuss it. And as you discuss it, you bring forth facts, factual information. So if we're still uh, having conflict about whose house we go to on the holidays, then let's sit down and develop a plan. The facts are we want to be with family for the holidays. Okay. And the reality is there's room for compromise. So even though you want to be at your mama's house every Thanksgiving and Christmas, the reality is marriage was never supposed to be one-sided. We should come to a compromise and we can decide that we go to your mother's this Christmas, my mother's next Christmas, whatever it is that we can come together and decide upon. Now, sometimes the reason it's redundant is because a person is, again, not being honest with themselves. So they'll say, Okay, we'll go to my mother's house this Christmas. Then about July next year, 
you know what, my cousin's going to be at my mom's house this year. Can I, can we go there? You know, so you're changing up what you said initially. You're not bringing forth factual information and just not being fair in the way of being, um, of compromising. So a lot of times there are things that we're doing in addition to having that conversation over and over that negatively impact our conversation. So we have to make sure that we are having the conversation, that we're listening to each other and that we're bringing forth factual information. And, and I would definitely you know, be in agreement with that, you know, that if you're uh, not allowing yourself to really bring your truth uh, to the table and, you know, state how you're feeling, and the things that you're thinking, you know, you will come into that where this is something that, you know, continues to be cyclical and the problem just continues to go on mm-hmm. and on and on and on. Yeah. And then another part of that too is to be sure that you understand it's okay to disagree sometimes, you know, that it doesn't have to be exactly what I say or exactly what you say, but we can disagree and it can be okay. The world is not going to end. So that's probably one of the most important things that when we seek to resolve conflict is that we say, okay, it's okay to agree to disagree. And then also remembering to maintain um, the idea of a team, you know, that we are a team. And if you fall short, I do too. So what is the best resolution for this situation? And do we even need to keep talking about it? You know, if we keep talking about this thing, you know, the fact that your auntie said this about me, yeah, we may always have conflict because she was your favorite auntie, but she was wrong with what she said. Do we really have to continue to have that conversation? (laughs) (laughs) Okay, she shouldn't have said it, but I don't have to keep bringing it up because it's not going to make or break us unless we continue to beat it, you know? So some things just don't need to be carried on, you know? And and then uh, another part of it too also is that, you know, we need to deal with things as they come up. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. We're actually, you know, setting aside some time, making a a predetermined time that we'll talk about a particular issue. Mm -hmm. Uh, Preferably that it's not more than about 30 minutes and that we deal with that particular issue, right? And, you know, either we, you know, find some type of resolve, Mm -hmm. right, or we agree to disagree, whatever the case may be. But Mm -hmm. the reality is that we, you know, should at least tackle it so that we're not building up and compiling Mm -hmm. and, you know, compounding our resentment. Definitely. That timed thing is very important when it comes to disagreements that we limit our conversations. That was a great answer, especially because I think a lot of relationships now, and I really think they're the relationships that really don't last too long, but I think there's a, like a unrealistic expectation that we're going to get along all the time. And there's never going to be any sort of disagreement. I mean, I can even think back to relationships I've had where essentially that was it, you know, we would have arguments or fights. And then that was the thing that like distance because we got into an argument and it's like, well, yes, we were not the same person. We're going to have different thoughts, different opinions, but that's okay. You know? Um, But also like you were saying, we're a team, so we don't have to, we're on the same page, but we don't have to agree on every single thing to be on the same page. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and, you know, definitely that's, you know, with the conflict, you know, it's really an opportunity for growth mm-hmm. right? because, <laughs> you know, it allows you to, you know, at least maybe, uh, well, take a look at someone else's uh, perspective. Right? You have mm-hmm. different opinions and it allows you to be able to say, well, you know, is what they're saying, you know, reasonable? Right? And do I need to change my way of thinking or whatever? You know, is that, you know, reasonable for me to do that? And then it provides the, that individual who might be in a disagreement, say, well, you know, maybe I could change my thinking, maybe my approach, so on and so forth. So if, if we never have that conflict, the opportunity for growth is missing. Mm. And we're not being stretched. Mm-hmm. So since we're talking about communication, you know, mm-hmm. Um, essentially. What are the different types of communication styles? Because in, in the workbook, 
you know, like you all have it listed, like my lady does this or my guy does this and it's like talks too much, shuts down, doesn't listen. And I start laughing <laughs> at some of them and I'm like, oh yeah, we need to do this. <laughs> so definitely we just talked about a few of them in the book there, but there are so many different styles of uh, communication. And then I have to say this about communication too. Um, if we see 99 clients, 98 of them will say, we're here because we can't communicate. We have an issue with communication. And that just makes sense because how do we relate? We communicate. How do we manage money in the household? We have to communicate. You know, How do we uh, plan the who's going to pick up the children? It's communication. Everything we do is a matter of communication, right? So that is always going to be one of the largest challenges that we have in our relationship. Um, so when it comes to communication and the different styles of communication, a few of them, as I mentioned, are in the book, but those that are very relevant to the conversation that we have when we're counseling is to notice how they interact with each other. You may have one person who is aggressive, and then you may have one person who's passive aggressive. You know, how do they learn how to communicate together? And keep in mind, I don't know if we've mentioned this too, but our goal when we're in counseling is to help couples figure out some good ways to manage their relationship, not to figure out whether or not you're a good match, you know, because even if we tell you today, we don't think you two should be together, what are you going to do? They don't know what you're talking about. We're exactly. going to go find, find another counselor who will help us. You know, we have in 19 years of counseling only had, what, maybe two or three couples that have said um, that we've told that they shouldn't marry. And they said, okay, we won't do it. You know, one of them, they had the venue and all that. Everything was ready, rings, all of that stuff. And she definitely called off the wedding. And she felt so we did some individual counseling afterwards. And she felt very good about her decision and calling it off. So, um, you know, when we talk about what we do in counseling, we're talking about how do you make it work? So the, some of them that are listed, like I mentioned, passive aggressive. So if you look at the different characteristics under that person, it's indirectly aggressive, sarcastic, sweet and in innocent facial expressions, and conniving. Those things qualify for a passive aggressive communicator, you know? And that person may have some of the traits that fall under aggressive, which are like hostile, um, they're in it to win, always about the win. They're dominant and their needs are more important than everybody else's. So if they are already engaged, if we tell them we don't think you two should be together because there's too much opportunity for you to be um, volatile together, um, then they're still going to get married. So how do you manage that? So we talk to them and give them some tools as to how they can communicate better together. You know, it doesn't mean that if you have different communication styles, you shouldn't be together. Oftentimes opposites have a better chance of sustaining a relationship than those who have a lot of commonalities. And that's what we know. Cause then you fit like a puzzle. Yeah, that's, uh, that's good to know. <laughs> I mean, like you always hear, you know, opposites attract, you know, but that's just like a cliche you know, saying, but it's good to know that, you know, opposites actually attract. Yeah. And when you think about it, most of the time, it's the commonalities that actually mm -hmm. attract, you know, we both like to do this, we like to do that. And hey, okay, let's get together because we have a lot of things in common. But then once you get married, what is it that's holding you together? It's got to be like that Velcro, you know? You have this part, I have this part, and together we work well together, yeah. So learning how to communicate with the person that you're with is very important. Understanding the way that they communicate is very important, whether they are submissive or whether they're aggressive, you know, how do you work with that person? 
and all of it can be worked with, you know? And um, I don't know why, but it came up that um, in my mind that there are so many people who get diagnosed as narcissists. You know, we have those buzzwords in uh, psychology that come out every now and then. So before it was bipolar, now it's narcissist, you know? So everybody that you meet is not a narcissist. You know, the guys <laughs> that are, are not all narcissists. They may need some work, but they're not always narcissists. But there are some. And for those, you know, I don't have a problem with calling it out and letting the person they're dating know that this situation is one that has to be in therapy for a lifetime because there is no cure for narcissists. You know, those formative years were so impactful that they respond that way for a lifetime. So we've had, uh, we've counseled narcissists, one in particular, um, we've had the whole family come in and we could definitely identify up front from the way the mother interacted with the husband as to how he came to be who he was. And so those things can be very telling. And then when we do counsel, you know, we want to be sure that we give a um, good, well-rounded picture of what changes can be made. So sometimes it is important for us to get other people in so that we can get a full picture of what's actually happening. So sometimes we may ask that if there's somebody else like that particular situation, there were um, siblings and parents who were asked to come in and they did come in and they did either um, confirm some of the things that we thought or brought forth some new information that the council leaves had not brought to the table. And this is marriage versus premarital. Ooh, and I that is have to say that we are pastoral counselors. So I'll say that so nobody yeah. misunderstands. Uh, we do not focus on clinical psychology. We use a combination of clinical and spiritual. Most of what we do, uh, if the scale is tilted, is tilted in the direction of spiritual. And I know we've said it before, but we love how, of course, you have that mixture of like Christianity and scripture and like the word, but it doesn't feel judgmental or that, you know, like that standard kind of Christian way that can, you know, make some people feel as if like, mm, I don't want to really do that. They're going to, you know, it all goes back to feeling judge, judge, you know, because maybe you're not as far along in your walk or maybe there's just some like hurt there. And yeah, we just love that every time we've talked to y'all and even, you know, in this conversation that, y'all are like look we've we've been through the mess but we also know this like and we know the word and we're not judging you you yeah. know like and i think that's especially right before you get married that and even while you're like navigating marriage because that's a whole different territory yeah. that's something you need because that's a very vulnerable space that you're in yeah. And, and, you know, and I think, well, and, and I thank God for what he has given us uh, in terms of, you know, what we do. And, and I think it uh, does work well because we know what, you know, condemnation looks like, you know, because we've seen it, you know, uh, you know, how people and especially in the church, oftentimes in the church, what that looks like. Uh, so, you know, we never want to operate in that manner. But we, you know, but we also need to be mindful of being trustful in, you know, those things that we see, those things that we witness and, you know, what we share so that we're being honest with people. Right. Right? So we're not going to pacify, you know, just for the sake of, you know, trying to make people feel good. Right. But we're not going to be condemning you know, people either. Yeah. yeah. And when he says we know what that's like, um, I do have to say that when the church that we were with, when we were going through all the hell, we we didn't receive condemnation yeah, sure. from that church. Yeah, we right. did not. Yeah, we right. received um, encouragement overall. Yeah. There were people who wrapped their arms around us and some of them who didn't even know they were doing it. Mm -hmm. And the pastor um, 
at one point when my husband was just like, he was not showing up at church or whatever. And the pastor having 8,000 members at the time mm-hmm. asked me, how's your husband? Where is he? And I said, I don't know. Call him and find out, you know. <laughs> no, I think you should talk about uh, pray for him. Yeah, I said pray for him. There were many times I said pray for him. And he was stopping mm-hmm. to pray right there. But that day I said, well, call him, you know. And he did. He called my husband out of his 8,000 members and he called. And the next Sunday he was at church and every Sunday after that, you know. And, and I would have to say, nice. I definitely would have to be in agreement with her because that was actually one of the uh, turning points in my life uh, mm. that, you know, that he cared enough to, to call me. Yeah. And, you know, it, it spoke volumes to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So definitely, you know, it takes a village to have a marriage as well, Uh you know, and how people respond is going to be very important. That's why in our, when we marry people, we're wedding officiants, we've married over 800 couples now. And in those uh, situations, oftentimes we will speak to the guests about their supporting the couple, you know, that you cannot Mm -hmm. take one person's side, you know, it's not one person over the other, but you got to support the relationship and point them to God. And so, you know, that part is very important too. looking at your village when, when it comes to making that decision about divorce, because if I go talk to mom and them, she may tell me to leave him in a heartbeat, but I need a village that's really going to support the marriage, you know? Definitely. So how important is it to know your partner's love language? Well, yeah, well, I believe it's very important uh, because I think it makes for a much better uh, relationship. And I would have to admit that for, you know, for years and years and years, I misspoke uh, to my wife uh, in terms of because I'm an acts of service uh, type. Well, my love language is actually acts of service, Mm -hmm. right? And I would communicate uh, with my wife in that language uh, uh, because of those things that I desired, right? And, you know, her love language is actually quality time. So I'm speaking to her really just in this foreign language. (laughs) So, you know, I'm doing for her whatever it is that she uh, needs, you know, just always trying to make sure that she had whatever. I didn't tell him to stop doing it. Yeah, Yeah, I let him keep doing those things for me. But, but, you know, really not not paying attention to the the quality time, you know, portion of it, you know, speaking to her in that language. So I, I believe it's very important. Yeah. that you're in sync, you know, knowing what each other's language is. Mm-hmm. Definitely, I agree that it would be important to have that understanding to know what, how you can reach your mate, you know, and that's part of communication, definitely, because if there's something that I need, a message I need to get across to my mate, then a lot of times, you know, I'm going to look at what angle do I need to approach him from. And so with the love languages, we often talk about, you know, making those deposits all the time. You know, if I'm always doing those acts of services for him, which I know he really appreciates and always, like he mentioned earlier about, you know, the words of affirmation are important to him. You know, if I'm doing those things, then when there's a difficult conversation, he knows that I care. So even if he disagrees, he will entertain the conversation. So we're always making deposits in our love bank because we know our love languages. So it's very important. Very good. I was just thinking to myself, like, what is my love language now? Because this evolved over the years. It was, it used to be like big on like giving gifts, but I don't need gifts like that anymore. So anyway, I'm sorry. That was a We encourage people to take it, you know, at different times, because like you said, you're always evolving. So you change, Mm -hmm. definitely your language is going to change. Yeah, exactly. So how do we remind ourselves of the reasons why we got married in the first place? That is very important. Um, The first thing that comes to mind is when we officiate weddings, one of the unity ceremonies we do is the uh, wine box. Are you guys familiar with that? So with the wine box, when they write letters to each other saying why they are getting married, why they love each other, and they deposit those letters into this box, 
and a bottle of wine, and it serves as a time capsule. So on the first uh, anniversary, you unlock the box and you read the letters as to why you decided to marry, and you drink some wine and you enjoy your first year anniversary. But if you don't make it to that first year anniversary without having a terrible disagreement where you just can't seem to get on the same page and you don't like that person anyway, then you go ahead and open that box and read those letters, have a drink of wine, and then hopefully get on the same page and then write new letters, get a new bottle of wine and place it back in the box. So that's one thing that you can do, but also, I'm sorry. No, I was just gonna say, well, I'll let you finish and I'll chime in. I was just gonna say too, is making sure you're having the conversations where you're reminiscing and you are also getting to know each other now. So there may have been some great reasons that you married, but there could have also been something great that happened last year that you forgot. So always being in a position to have that conversation and taking time out for each other. And a lot of times, especially now when we have 13 different jobs and multiple streams of income and we're on social media because we always got to check that Instagram, you know, and all of this stuff, we forget to pay attention to us. So to take time out, put the phones down, put them across the room, have the conversations and talk about the things that you really like, you know. One of the things that my husband, we talk about it often, when we first dated, how he would love to pick up my nose and it drove me crazy, but he absolutely loved it. So remembering those things that put a smile on our face and they probably will still put a smile on your face. So that's a couple of things. Right. And actually I was kind of reflecting uh, this morning, not even uh, thinking about these questions, actually I hadn't seen the questions at that time. And I was thinking about the fact that in our first three years of, you know, knowing each other and dating, how we used to talk a lot, uh, I, me living in Florida, her being here in Atlanta, and just the, the conversation that we would have, that, you know, it was just always looking forward to, to having that conversation. And I think that that's one way. Uh, you know, that we can be reminded, you know, is, you know, think about like when you first met and just your interactions and, you know, how you felt uh, and the things that moved you. Right? And then... Uh, uh, you can th- tell the rest of that, though. Oh, oh, what was that? What happened this morning? Uh, what, what happened? No. <laughs> so <laughs> he, was, he usually gets up before I do. Yeah. So he was downstairs. Uh, and I called them and I was like, hey, what you doing? You know, <laughs> like we used to do yeah. 35 years ago, yeah. like he was in Florida and I was in Atlanta. So we talked for a minute and he told me that he was just thinking about that. And I I was kind of in that same mm-hmm. thing because I just, you know, wanted to call and have a boyfriend, girlfriend conversation, mm-hmm. even though he was just downstairs. So. <laughs> <laughs> that is so cute. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so oh, and I, I was going to say also, you know, one of the things that uh, I thought about also was, you know, that there were times, especially, I would say midway, you know, over the 30 years, 35 years, that, you know, when you have these moments where you kind of, oh my God, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> what's going on? That, I, you know, where you have those. I love my spouse type moments, you know, exactly. and you know that's something that I did. I did it in a joking way right? mm-hmm. that you know I, I love my spouse. I love my spouse, mm-hmm. right? yeah. just, just as a reminder, yeah. you know, <laughs> of those, why I'm here. <laughs> and those things have been proven that if you kind of psych yourself out like that, you know, even in those moments when you're like, "Oh my goodness, why am I with him?" If you just kind of redirect your thoughts and start to just say those things, you know, even if it's to the extent of speaking things that are not as though they were, you know, but still saying, you know, I love him. I love him. I love him. And then are you telling them that, you know, I love you. Say it even more when you're feeling distant and see what happens. Say it in different ways. Marriage takes a lot of creativity. Okay. And Mm -hmm. so that's one thing that we can do, you know, to speak those things into action. And also going back to scripture that we, there's life in our tongues, you know, so we have the power there. 
So we can just start to say it. Oh, I love being around. You know, and even then it will make for a lighter moment. You know, even if you're not telling the truth, you two may smile about it and come closer than you were a few minutes ago. So speaking those things is very important too, when you want to remember. So making the time to have the conversations, definitely having a capsule, uh, time capsule if you want to do that. And then making sure that you take some time to enjoy each other where you are, while reminiscing about those times you had before you said, I do, you know, and what that was like. I love that. I love that so much. All right. So our final question, and I'm sure our listeners are aware, we've been talking about your workbook all night, but uh, give them kind of like a final push and sell for why they need to get the workbook. Because it's great. (laughs) (laughs) it really is it really is (laughs) but uh, it was definitely inspired we have you know over 35 years of information study and um, things that we've learned that we put in there um, Mm -hmm. to help each couple craft their own relationship but still at the same time receiving information about some things that are already in place like how do you communicate how do you manage a disagreement you know some things like that that we've learned and worked through um, it also provokes conversation you know if you two make the time to sit down say 30 minutes and just go through a couple of pages and most of the time you can't go through one with if you're going to stop and have the conversations. So maybe one page, 30 minutes, you know, one day a week or three times a week, you know, as part of your date night or something like that. This workbook will help you to grow as a couple and also help you to get to know your mate in the space that they're in now. So they may not be the same person they were three years ago or three months ago when you met them. So having that ongoing conversation and falling in love all over again. And like I said, initially, if you fail to plan, then you plan to fail. This book helps you to plan. It truly does, like, honestly, down to the T. Like, when I was going through it, I'm like, oh, they have a list of chores. I'm like, we haven't talked about chores. (laughs) And it's like, you know, whose job is it, you know, or, you know, like, or are you both going to take turns doing it and it like has like a long list and I'm like oh yeah so we like I didn't think about doing this I mean of course like when we get in the house you know it's like I'm just going to do whatever you know I want to do but no like there's an actual list and we should talk about this like I mean I mean like the same way that you talk about finances is the same way that you should talk about household chores exactly and you all taught me that because I was like oh oh yeah yeah, me and Brandon <laughs> definitely going to do this. <laughs> and, you know, it definitely, you know, should be looked at as a tool, you know, just like uh, any person, uh, any crash person or whatever it may be, if you're, you know, working on something, right? You, uh, it's always good to have different tools to be able to, to do things, to, you know, go by and to use to construct what it is that you're trying to, uh, trying to build. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's just that, that you're creating your, uh, your own marriage relationship and you know using some of these tools that we you know have in, in the work with to you know construct your your own marriage yeah yeah and we have the finance piece you know a lot of times that's an area too so we talk about finances in there too and help you both to have a clear understanding of where you are financially and then um you know the workbook can very well accompany our program Danielle, where we are talking about those things and we're sharing with you some of the best practices and you can choose from those things how you want your marriage to be. So when it comes to finances, you know, people have different ideas about finances, whether we should merge them together or whether we should stay individual, whether, you know, we should, uh, you know, have our own bills because we came to the marriage with school, with student loans, and he didn't, so he shouldn't have to pay my student loans. But you're supposed to be one. So we um, definitely share our opinion on, and the reality is if a dollar goes out of the house, whether it's from the bride or the groom, it goes out, period. 
you know, and you can, you're going to have less to create a backyard oasis because it's going out of the house. So it's good if you can work together and hurry up and get that thing paid off. And then you have more to build the oasis or buy your ideal truck or whatever the case is, you know. So we definitely share uh, information. We don't dictate to anyone as to how they should do marriage, but we definitely share some options. I can't wait for Ed to hear that part. Because <laughs> <laughs> I, I have all the loans and he has none, so. <laughs> definitely, those are, you know, conversations that we have to um, make sure that we're having, you know, whether it's the finance or the chores, you know, certain people come into, you mentioned the question earlier about, you know, our uh, relationships as children and say, mm -hmm. come into a marriage um, or if you saw a marriage where mother was the one who did all the domestic stuff, then when you come home from work, you're rushing in, you're cooking, you're taking care of the kids and he's sitting down waiting on his plate, you know, and that might not work for you. So you have to have those conversations about who's doing the chores or maybe he can sit down and watch television, but then he's got to clean up the kitchen, you know, or maybe you don't want him doing, doing any of the cleaning, but it's worth having the conversation. Definitely. And that's what the workbook provides that opportunity to have those conversations. Y'all need to go out and get it because I promise you, like it, like they go in detail. <laughs> you know, um, I really feel like Brandon and I we've talked about a lot, but there's, mm -hmm. I mean, but I mean, but looking at this workbook, oh, there's some stuff that we have not talked about. So, so yes, I am happy that I purchased this book. Mm -hmm. um it will be used <laughs> and i'm gonna get it for us as yeah. well because yes. i mean even almost a year in sometimes you need just kind of a you know a little get back together and yeah. kind of realignment of some things mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and yeah couples who definitely have been married for many years i think the couple that we work with that um um has been married the longest is probably 50 years in. And so we still go through the same program with them because it's, you know, it's just not a given that you have these types of conversations, you know, unless it's brought right. presented. So no matter how long you've been in the relationship or in the marriage, I think it can meet you wherever you are. Definitely. And we have, and we're so thankful uh, will be able to give away a workbook as well to a lucky listener follower. So more details um, around the time the episode comes out, you shall see um, likely on our Instagrams um, how you will win, you know, so we'll have some stuff planned there, but again, thank y'all. So now we're going to move into the wedding vendor love. Michael and Lorraine, who would you like to shout out this week? Let's see. Our vendor for this week. Let's see. Oh, yeah. Excalibur Catering. And um, Chef Terrence uh, provides individual services. So if you want a date night with your person, you can order some food or have him come over and cook for you. If you have a large event and you need somebody to cater for you, he can definitely handle that. And if it's just a regular Monday through Friday at this point, you can meet him at Brownstone in Henry County. Nice. Yes. yes. Okay. Perfect. Perfect. Well, where can people go buy the book, learn more about you um, and, you know, all the good things. Okay. So, um, and definitely one other vendor uh, too, uh, definitely with uh, people purchasing homes and, you know, early in marriage and all of that. So, um, and we'll send over her information, but uh, Natalia selling houses in the metro area. Were you say something? So um, definitely I'm looking for her. Uh, she can help you find any size home, uh, whether it's a townhouse, apartment, or your forever home. And so she works with 
newlyweds as well as those who have been married for a while. Okay. Nice. Where do you find us? Yes. You can find us at arelationshipministry.com or you can find us on our IG, arm, that's A-R-M underscore Michael and Lorraine. And that's Lorraine, L-A-R-R-A-I-N-E. There is nothing low about me. So it's (laughs) arm underscore Michael and Lorraine. Love that. My aunt's middle name is Lorraine, but it's L-O. So (laughs) (laughs) and that's why I say that to help people remember. And then even if you type it, if you know it's Lorraine, spell checks turns it into Lorraine. So exactly. Ashley, who would you like to shout out this week? I would like to shout out a cake designer based in New Orleans. Her name is Angela Hutchinson, and she is the cake designer and owner of Corkett Cake Studio. And the reason why I'm struggling to pronounce it is because it's a Dutch word for like biscuit or cookie, and it's spelled K O E K. J-E, Cake Studio. So, I mean, you find her on Instagram actually under muse underscore beauty, but Koke, Cake Studio is her brand. And I mean, she, oh my gosh, her food looks like art. So please, please, if you are in the New Orleans area and you need somebody to bake you something real good for your special day, look up Angela. So who are you shouting out this week, Tania? Yes. So this week I am actually shouting out a natural nail specialist. You know, before the wedding, we got to get our nails done, you know, our toes done. I mean, like, you know the deal. So um, I want to be a little bit different this week. Her name is Brittany Foster. Um, Of course, this is a Black-owned studio. Her studio is based in Beachwood, Ohio. Uh, The name of her studio is Polished Natural Nail Studio. And you can find her on IG at Polished. And that's P-O-L-I-Z-H-E-D. And you can also find her on her website at PolishedStudio.com. And that's also spelled P-O-L-I-Z-H-E-D Studio.com. Look her up. Okay. Mm-hmm. I like wearing my natural nails. I've never had acrylics, which is kind me of neither. Crazy. Oh, really? Okay. You mm-hmm. know, whenever I go, I did my the nails, dip nail, but I never did acrylic. Gotcha. Yeah. Like whenever I go get my nails done, like the nail tech is always like, you have um, a great nail bed. And, you know, my nails, they grow really, really fast. And so to be honest, once I have polish on, it kind of looks like I have on acrylics or not really acrylics, but y'all know what I mean. I'm not experienced in this area, but I love the fact that, you know, she does or she specializes in natural nails. So, yeah. So if you're in the Ohio area, take your girls, take your mama, take your mother in love, take your sister-in-law, take everybody and and show her your support. That's it. Okay. Well, thank y'all again for coming on and chatting with us. I'm excited to get the workbook. I know Tania is excited to finish going through it with Brandon and you know hopefully this brings more people to get the workbook and just you know be on a better footing whether it's you know throughout their engagement or even in their marriage definitely and I don't know if you mentioned that you can get it on Amazon or on our website either place yeah, I was just going to say uh, thank you all so much for having us. Yes. Uh, definitely always enjoy speaking with you lovely ladies. Yes, yes. Yeah, Anytime. Yes. We know we're going to have y'all back again. Like, of course. <laughs> yes, of course. <laughs> we're family now. I was going to say. Oh, yeah. Uh, exactly. <laughs> and, and we really sincerely um, love what you guys are doing. And we love uh, the foundation from which you operate. So, you know, 
that in itself is something that's really needed right now. Even if it's the brides who are going up to their wedding dates, they need to know a lot and they need to calm down a lot and they mm-hmm. need to be comforted a lot. And then so this uh, outlet is something that's really good. And then to sustain the marriage is very important to not just expect it to happen, but understand that it can be work, but re- rewarding work. Yes. For sure. So where can people find us? Yeah, so you can find us on huidu.com. You can also find us on huidu.wed on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, TikTok. And you can find Ashley at Demi Tosh on Instagram and Twitter. You can find me at Belsari on Instagram and Twitter. And if you made it this far, please, please give us a, a review on Apple Podcasts, even if you're listening to it on the website please if you're a listener on spotify any and everywhere we need these reviews because it helps vendors and brides and grooms like you find a podcast that speaks to people exactly like them so i'm gonna shout out one of our most recent ones it's from a friender of the show randy with sugar euphoria she said long time listener first time guest i love listening to every episode of who i do because there are so many different perspectives from the guests as a vendor it's educational to hear from what com- what couples like and dislike and to hear the opinions of other vendors i was fortunate to be a guest on the show and i thoroughly enjoyed my time talking to the host five stars all around so randy with sugar euphoria we love you so much thank you for this review and yeah if you leave us a review maybe you'll hear a shout you out as well so Thank you again, and we'll talk to you next week. Bye, y'all. Bye.